Hey, welcome to another exciting edition of the Give Me Liberty podcast. What an exciting episode we have in store. As a matter of personal privilege, what an incredible opportunity to interview my home church pastor, Dr. Jack Graham, Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, somebody I learned the gospel from at an early age. He was right here at Liberty University. We took a moment to interview him on the Give Me Liberty podcast, starting now. And welcome back to the Give Me Liberty podcast. I'm joined by pastor, senior pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, Dr. Jack Graham. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be back with you. Yeah, you're here on Liberty Mountain right here in Lynchburg, Virginia. Love this place. And you just preached in front of 10,000 plus students. It's one of the most amazing preaching privileges anybody could ever have to preach to the students at Liberty and faculty and all the rest are here. Such a great place. Well, you you had, there was a moment, and I'm just going to describe this for those who are watching the podcast. You actually, we're talking about Jesus cleansing the temple out yeah. of Matthew chapter 21. Uh-huh. And there's that moment where he goes in and he flips the table. You literally flip the table. <laughs> yeah, I think people thought I was flipping out uh, actually, but yeah, I thought, you know, let's illustrate this. How many times have you actually seen somebody flip a table? It was a violent act. Yeah. And, and yes, Jesus is loving and compassionate and kind and tender, but he also confronted sin, especially superficial religion and, and what was going on, the thievery. You know, a carnal life is, is, is robbery, uh, is taking the glory that belongs to God. And so all this carnality, all this sin that was going on with the money changing, and he just, he just turned it all upside down. And it was, it was an act of bold defiance. It was an act of courage, but it also illustrates an act of consecration. And the whole point of the message is, you know, uh, Jesus wants to cleanse our temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within us and whatever it takes for maybe to turn our lives upside down or flip some tables in our lives in order to cleanse us that we might be consecrated to him. So that's what I was saying to the students. I hope the takeaway for them is be a person of courage like Christ and confront uh, evil, confront sin in this world, you know, be bold, be brave, not brazen, not brash, but uh, speak the truth, don't be silent, flip some tables if you have to. This was not Jesus losing his temper. This was, this was a calculated move that Jesus took to, to show the people and us how the temple needs to be cleaned. Amen. So you look at this youngest generation, Prestonwood has always been on the cutting edge, I, I believe, of youth ministry, certainly yeah. in my life, yeah. um, but preparing the next generation leaders and not yeah. just those that are pulpiteers, those are, that right. are pastored, but l- literally every walk of life yeah. at Liberty University. Yeah. Part of our uh, mission is training champions for Christ. So it'll it, it, go out and just dominate to be true winners mm-hmm. in every category, mm-hmm. every career, every facet of life. That was the vision of Dr. Falwell, you talk about revival and it looks as though things are pretty dark. You look at this generation, uh, George Barna has a, has a poll out there, something a few years ago, something like 6% of Americans have what we call a biblical worldview. I think more recently that's been updated to be something like four and a half, five percent It continues to be diminished. You look at the Gen Z generation, the, far, the, the, the most depressed generation by far. They were isolated, many of them, during COVID. You look at the mental health crisis that they're dealing with. Suicide rates are up. Many of them are confused about their identities as this uh, woke ideology of transgenderism is being pushed in the public sphere. Lots of things are happening. It looks like it's dark. Pastor, what, what obviously gives you hope 
and even hope for this next generation. I do believe in this generation. I see a lot of signs. I, I guess it's Gen Z is uh, the letter on it now. Uh, but I, I look at uh, the young people that are in our church right here at Liberty, of course, having the experience. And by the way, we do share just uh, the vision of Dr. Falwell uh, Sr., who founded this university as a pastor and to train up that generation. And so I, as a young pastor, having become acquainted with Dr. Falwell, I served on the board here many years. But I, you know, I've always shared that same vision to because I know what happened to me when I was a teenager, when I was a college student, it just prepped me and prepared me for the calling upon my life. And it doesn't have to be a preacher call, it could be but your baker, candlestick maker, or whatever God calls you to do, but to align your will with the will of God and to do it all the days of your life, to obey God and to depend upon Him. And when that happens, then things that you can't imagine or even measure begin to take place in your life. And and uh, you could have never imagined when you were a little kid running around in our children's ministry at Prestonwood that God would raise you up to do this, and yet He has, and you're prepared. And and I see in in this now generation, if you call them, many of the there's some similarities between me. I'm a baby boomer, and we're the '60s revolution generation, and <clears throat> all all that took place: the sexual revolution, political revolution, racial. Uh, all the upheaval that was going on in the nation then, and I, I compare it to now. I mean, it was bad. Vietnam was roaring and there was protest. So the 60s were really bad, and we came out of that. Out of that came the Jesus movement, and out of that came great revival among young people in that generation. And it did remain, the fruit remained in a lot of lives because there were missionaries called and preachers called and, and church leaders that came out of the, of the revival movement of the 1960s and, and, and as I look at our culture today and the collapse of the culture and the ever-encroaching darkness of our world, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, now we're ripe for revival. I mean, we'll either have revival or ruin. There's no question about that. Unless the church rises up repentant and, and full of faith and sharing the gospel of Christ and standing for truth and righteousness, unless, unless we're willing to do that, you know, we forfeit the game. And we walk off the field and, and it's not going to happen. But I believe... We're seeing a generation of young people right now who are willing to, to be used of God. And again, I see a lot of my generation in this current generation. Yeah. They're kind of revolutionaries. They want, you know what, the big thing we wanted in the 60s was authenticity. Yeah. You know, we were tired of establishment stuff, tear down the stab, don't trust anybody over 40. Uh, that wasn't necessarily my attitude, but it was the attitude of a generation. And and so I kind of see that today, especially with Christian young people. You know, give us authenticity. Give us something real. You know, they've seen a lot of hurt and brokenness and shame and, and, and pain and a lot of families that are broken apart, their own families. We have a fatherless generation. A lot of things working against this generation. But I also see, look, if you show them and give them something real, Jesus and the reality of Jesus and the resurrection in their lives, that they're going to respond. So I believe... I believe we're in the last days, I do. Uh, we're told to be prepared in every generation for uh, the return of Christ and the rapture of his church. And so I'm expecting that. And so we shouldn't be surprised that things are getting increasingly dark and we should actually be motivated uh, to overcome evil with good. That's what the scripture says in Romans 12, 21. Uh, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And as, as a small child, I, I heard that phrase. I saw it on a, with a television preacher. He was actually a Roman Catholic 
preacher on the air. My mother wasn't happy that I was watching a Catholic program, <laughs> but I was watching it, and this they 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 began the the the, the show. It's Fulton J. Sheen was his name. Some of the old timers remember that. Look it up, Google it. You can see YouTube's. You can see YouTube's now. Fulton Sheen. Uh, I was you know made, but. They said at the outset of that program every time, and it, it got in my soul as a little child, uh, better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And there was a little candle there that was lit, lit up the room. And what did John say in John's Gospel, chapter one? He says, the darkness could not overcome it. The light, the only, you know, we can curse the darkness, we can shake our fist at the darkness, but the way to overcome the darkness is to, to light a candle and to be the light of Christ. And so that's the way I've always viewed how to deal with evil and conflict, whether it's right close to you, close up and personal, something going on around you in your community or in you, your own family or in the world, that you overcome evil with good. And the greatest good is the gospel of Christ. It's the good news of Jesus. I appreciate so much that your sentiment even now, and it's, it's rooted in the gospel, but that you're optimistic. Yeah, um, and, and, and that means engaging, uh, for example, I always use this as an example when uh, in the 80s when we were really beginning to note, thanks to Dr. Falwell, really, uh, the, the, the safety of life issue. Yes. I was preaching uh, in my church down in West Palm Beach in those days, and I was just going at it about the sin of abortion, and it is sinful to take a human life in the womb. And I was going at it, but God just really dealt with me right during, I was preaching to myself because I just heard as I'm going on, Jack, what are you going to do about it? And, you know, I prayed later. I said, Lord, I don't know what, but I'm going to do something. And that's when I began to research how to do a crisis pregnancy center. And we started a crisis pregnancy center. So it's one thing to shout against the darkness of abortion. is something else to actually do something about it, to have a pregnancy center, to have a ministry to women who are struggling, to, to do whatever it takes to save babies. And, and that's turning on the light. That's not just cursing the darkness and shouting at, uh, at the night. We're to light the night. Yes. Right? Light the night. And, and so, so we end up doing things that help people, that serve people like Jesus did in their brokenness and their sinfulness in order to share the gospel with them. Yeah. That's how you change people one at a time. And right now in this country, if you were to go around state by state, it's something like three to one crisis pregnancy centers outnumber abortion yeah. clinics well, in the country. You know, the, 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 we've come to a tipping point. We've still got a lot of fight left yeah. uh, at state levels, but hardly any of us believe that we would be where we we are right now with the overturn of Roe v. Wade and we celebrate that, And but there's still a lot of work to be done. And we're actually now, we're doing this in, in uh, Dallas where I pastor now, we have three or four, uh, counting our mobile unit, pregnancy centers that are saving babies. We, we have documented that we have saved 86,000 babies uh, through this ministry, 86,000. That's a big stadium full of people alive today because of the work of Christians who are there serving Jesus Amen. and sharing the gospel. Because our greatest goal is not only to save babies, but to bring moms and dads and their families to Christ. You, um, you also have Prestonwood Christian Academy, yep. one of the biggest in, in the state of Texas now. And uh, you know, I can't help but think about, and, and certainly uh, Dr. Falwell founded Liberty University as a ministry of Thomas Road Baptist Church. Here you are, you have a K through 12 education yeah. uh, there in the state of Texas. And 
evangelism and education go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I think I think parents are learning this mm -hmm. dramatically that mm -hmm. worldview cannot be divorced mm -hmm. from evangelization. Yeah. And uh, so much of what we're what we're seeing is the confrontation of a culture at large that is pushing an ideology, but really a religion. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, you know, what we're seeing with, with the movement, this ideological wokeism is, you know, idolatry, it is false religion, it's, it's, it's spiritual warfare, it is demonization. Uh, this transgender movement, that's, that's demonic inspired. There's no question about that, infested with demons. I, and, you know, I, this, you know, it's just true. Yeah. And and because there's there's no reasonable explanation, there's no human explanation for what people are trying to uh, offer and mutilating little babies and children. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's demonic to the core. And, and so you have to know the enemy you're up against and be awake and be alert uh, to to the enemy that is awake and us. not woke. Uh, yeah. Wait, I did a, pre a message called that. Uh, are you are you awake or are you woke? And there is a big difference. Uh, but, you know, back to the thing with the, our school, you know, I just believe the church has responsibility to disciple, and that includes our young people. And not every church can have a school. I think it's good when churches can even band together to support a Christian school. Uh, uh, but we did it. We're glad that we have this school. And it's tied to the church. There are a lot of wonderful schools, private schools, parochial schools, um, even Christian schools. But when I believe, is the reason we're doing it, when it's connected, vitally connected to the local church, when it's a church-connected school with the doctrinal commitment of the, of the church, you know, we're able to keep the school moving in the right direction because education can drift on you if you're not careful. And so there's, a, there's an anchor uh, with the church. We say, you know, for, for parents, the thing you need to have is a three-leg stool. You need to have the family working, the church working, and the Christian school working together. If you get all three legs of that stool, then 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 you're set. I mean, you you're giving your children the best chance to to do well, to train them up. Uh, if one of those legs is missing, it gets wobbly. Yeah. And we've seen that whether the church is missing or the or Christian school, Christian education, or just you know uh, church education, or certainly parents, then it doesn't, it doesn't sit well. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're also doing something else. Uh, you know, PowerPoint ministry, you have this, uh, the Bible in a year. Yeah. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about yeah, that. Thanks for asking about that because we are seeing signs, sparks, if you will, mm -hmm. of revival right now, whether it was uh, the movement that was happening over in Kentucky at Asbury or whether the Jesus revolution movie, movie, which shocked everybody, the viewership and, Speaking of the Jesus Revolution earlier, the Jesus Movement, great my friend Greg Laurie and Kathy, uh, that uh, you know just uh, the chosen, yeah. you know, people watching the the popularity of, of of that this, and and so there are little signs and sparks that we're seeing as people are awakening, and that's what revival is: spiritual awakening. The soul is made alive, uh, awakened in Christ. So we're seeing signs. So I, the group at Pray.com. Uh, it's a it's a great platform. It's the largest, I think, uh, prayer uh, platform uh, app yeah, in the world. They came to us and said, "Would you do a through the Bible presentation where we just take the scriptures and we start in Genesis, we go all the way to Revelation, and would you do an intro and an outro to each of the scriptures?" So I said, "I said, sure, I'll be glad to do that." And it's a lot of effort because it takes you know some time to do all the Bible, and I'm in the in the middle of it right now. We just started this about six months ago. Um, 
And I thought, you know, if there's a couple hundred thousand people that get on there for this, that'd be awesome. Well, as of now, we're at 15 million downloads. Wow. And, and that's not me. It's just my voice on there. If we, actually, it's not all my voice. The person reading the scripture is a Brit. He's got this great, beautiful British accent. People fall for a we British have, accent. We, yeah, they do. It's symphonic. We got, they got sound effects in the scripture. And people are, are going on here 15 million and counting. And, wow. and so what, why I'm saying that, again, that's, not, that's just that's a hunger for the Bible. And I've had so many people now that are on this that say to me, this has been life-changing for me. I've never been able to get through the Bible all the way. I always get hung up in Leviticus or, you know, somewhere. Or I just stop. I get lazy. And, and on this app, and you can go to pray.com uh, pray and, and look at the, the Bible uh, in a year, the Bible in a year with Jack Graham. And there it is. And you can download that and you can pick up at any point starting in Genesis and go right through with us. And it's been amazing. So I give that as more evidence that people want to know more about who God is, what the Bible says, and how we need to live our lives. Amen. Final question. Yeah. You know, uh, thinking of this young generation, obviously you have eight grandkids. Yeah. A young uh, um, teenage uh, son or daughter out there uh, who is preparing for the future, what's advice that you would give them? for success. Uh, as I would, you know, live with eternity in mind. You know, it was, uh, what was the book that said, live with the end in mind or, you know, act with the end in mind. And that's good. You know, you have a, a goal and you know what your ultimate end game is. And so everything gets planned and aligned accordingly. That's okay. But I believe we begin with eternity in mind. Paul said in, in Colossians 3, set your affections not on things below, but on things above. And so set your heart on God, set your heart on the things of God, live with the fact that, you know, our time on earth is quick, it's fast, it goes in a hurry, but eternity is long. And, and we're going to spend eternity with Christ if we're Christians. And so we need to spend our days, not waste our days, but live our days fully and completely for him. So I would say to you, don't waste a minute. You know, uh, a lot of times young people think, well, you know what, I'll have my college years and I'll do my thing and live it, live the way I want to live and then I'll come back. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Sometimes people get addicted. Sometimes people get away from God. They never come back. We've got this whole deconstruction movement going on yeah. uh, among some young people who are abandoning their faith, apparently, uh, in some way. And so you might not come back. So I really challenge young people to, you know, don't, 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 don't live with, you know, earthly pleasures in mind today. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but then, you know, comes discipline and judgment and all that. So I say, you know, live with eternity in mind. And I told the students here today, if, if I'm, sometimes people ask me, what would a younger, an older Jack Graham be today say to a younger Jack Graham? And I've thought about that. And I, I'm not good at those kind of questions because I don't live with a lot of self-examination of the past. But I've come up with the right answer, I think, for me. And that is, it's worth it. It's worth it to live your life for Jesus. And I, as an older man now, I would say to that young guy, Jack Graham, it's worth it to follow Jesus all the days of your life. There's a price to pay. It's not always easy, but it's always the best. It's always the best life. Amen. Thank you so much for joining My pleasure. the Give Me Liberty podcast. Hey, thanks for watching the Give Me Liberty podcast. I want to absolutely encourage our viewers, listeners, to go check out the Bible in a year at pray.com. Uh, 
Dr. Jack Graham has meant so much to me personally through the years. I'm so grateful for the faithfulness that he has exhibited from the pulpit, rightly handling the word of truth, the word of God, preaching the gospel unapologetically. He has not wavered through the years, and that has given me tremendous confidence as a young man growing in the Lord and in faith. The other thing that I so appreciate, what I learned from him, is to not be afraid. As Christians, we really need to lean in to what's going on in the civic and cultural sphere. Here at the Standing for Freedom Center, we have many resources on what's going on in the public arena, how Christians should think about it ethically, morally, most importantly, biblically. We need to be informed with a biblical worldview. That starts with the scriptures. We need to, every day, rightly apply the word of truth, rightly handle it, to be faithfully equipped as Christians. Doesn't matter what your vocation is, what your calling is, you need to do it and to do it with excellence. So I'm so grateful to have that opportunity to also talk about that next generation, the Gen Z generation, the first generation, the youngest generation in our voting block. And they have lots of, of challenges right now that they are facing. We need to encourage them. We need to pray for them. We need to equip them. We need to be there for them, standing at the ready. So thankful for our time together. And I hope you enjoyed it. Please share the Give Me Liberty podcast. Until next time, God bless you.